Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter Day Takes. It's Harper Anderson, your host once again, joining you for episode 106. We are well into the 100, that's crazy. Anyway, on today's episode, I bring on an old friend, recurring guest, Casey Sato. Had some thoughts that he wanted to share about some of my theories with Utah football. He is the resident Utah football fan, as well as his experience in Florida. He went to the game as a Ute fan, obviously. And we also talk a little bit about a powder puff football game that we're going to coach this weekend. So there's that. Um, before we get to that, though, we I what I do is I share kind of a cool little Aaron Rodgers story, quarterback in the NFL, him in the Book of Mormon, how he came across that. And then I get into a story, a funny story of me playing in a softball game and how I had to pull a crazy stunt and it actually worked out. So I'll I take you through that whole thing. And I think what I'm going to do is going to use kind of the news segment as interchangeable between that and a funny story. Like if I'd rather be positive and nothing seems particularly relevant that I want to talk about, right? I'm curating this. If it doesn't interest me, I'm really not, I don't really care to talk about it. Um, but, and a lot of times I forget things too, but sorry, whatever. This is just a funny story sharing that. Then we get into the Casey segment and then I share a spiritual thought on this one, which is kind of maybe, what would you rather do, pray or read your scriptures? Um, not necessarily put in that way, but whatever. This is a little little blurb of that. And then I end with uh, kind of how the trials, and an example out of the Book of Mormon, how the trials really are meant for our good, and where it shows that specifically in the Book of Mormon, besides a lot of places, but this one specifically that I was reading in recently, and I wanted to share that with you all today. Anyway, hope you all enjoy that. Enjoy the rest of the episode. If you have any ideas, please always submit them to me of who to talk to, of where we can go with that. Um, I referenced later in this episode that the reason why this is coming out on Thursday is because I wanted to get a specific guest. Well, unfortunately, we weren't able to wrangle that. Um, I had some people helping me. Big thanks to those that reached out to see if they could help me with that. And I even reached out to others. And thank you to those as well. Didn't come to fruition. Hopefully, maybe it can pan out at some point. Maybe not. Whatever. That's just the life of a podcaster, I guess. But I hope you all enjoy this episode anyway. We'll be back with you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's our guy, Casey Sato. Once again, I probably shouldn't have told you that I'm going to use this, you know, promo, like to do the video, solely based on the hat that you're wearing. I know you knew exactly I, what you were doing. Yeah, and absolutely. <laughs> as soon as you told me I was going to be on video, you know exactly what I had to do. No. Well, you... Uh, at least so I just, deep. it was just, at least it was just the hat, you know? <laughs> That's true. It would break my heart if your if your boy Frankie, your amazing golden doodle. Uh, I mean, I know you already have dressed him up in U of U gear, but that one that one hurts a little bit more because I see so much innocence in him. See, for you, your eyes are lifeless. It doesn't like seeing him in U of U gear. Like it, does, it has no effect on me. But Frankie, gosh, I love that guy. Such yep. Every boy. Saturday, every Saturday, he's in the Utah jersey. Duh, I don't want to. Okay, we need to change the subject. All right. Yep. 
Case, give us a breakdown real quick. Not a breakdown, a little bit of a review, though. I know we talked about it before. You personally witnessed the heartbreak in Florida. But one I thing did. I wanted to take note of, you, your attitude was pretty stellar the whole time, which, I mean, that's not a real surprise. But all things considered, you know, a lot of people would go and be like, gosh, that was such a waste, whatever, we lost, heartbreak or all that. But you had just pretty much only good things to, to say about Florida and that whole experience. Yeah, so you caught me on like the upswing of like you know my my uh, curve of like devastation, right? I was in the healing process. Uh, if you had caught me on Saturday night, it would have been uh, it would have been in rough shape. Um, but with that said, yeah, it was um, Florida was an incredible environment uh, for sure. The best uh, college football experience that I've been to at a home stadium. Um, the fan base, the swamp lives up to everything that had been portrayed about them. Um, the stadium was essentially full 20 minutes before a game. Uh, if you go to our stadium, if you go to even your stadium, like the, our, our crowds don't get there until maybe like our stadiums are not full until maybe like five minutes into the game. Yeah, I was going to say you agree with like that? halfway through the first quarter. Sounds about right. Yeah. Like their entire like middle section of like where their I don't know what their alumni club is, but like their highest paid seats were full 20 minutes before the game. And they were doing cheers. They were doing chants and like everything leading up to the game was incredible. Um, then you get into the game and you know, their fight song, the, just the little traditions that they have in and out was, was so fun to be a part of. Um, like even one small thing that I noticed was uh, at one point Cam was making a audible, uh, you know, at, at the, and you could actually hear the noise level get louder as he got to the line, line of scrimmage because they knew he was changing the play. Wow. Like you could actually hear the crowd get like audibly louder as he was attempting to try to change the play, which again, that just shows so much intelligence by their fan base. I was just going to say, yeah. Of like, we're going to make this thing harder for him. Um, so, I mean, their fans were incredible uh, singing, uh, you know, won't back down by Tom Petty. Which yeah, you uh, said that won't quarter. back down. I, I think that's pretty sweet. Like, Oh, it's incredible. Like that's, that's such a random song, but I get I get that it like kind of plays into that. I wonder if they play that song every time, regardless, or if it's so he's from so specific. he's from Gainesville. Oh, I didn't know that. That makes a lot more yeah. sense. I actually, I yeah. do think I, I do think I remember he was from Florida, but definitely not Gainesville. I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. Yeah, well, maybe not from Gainesville, but he is from Florida. So um, I think that's one of the reasons why they play it. Um, and you know, everyone turned on their their camera light. Everyone was singing it like it was it was pretty special. Um, I think Mr. Brightside at Michigan gets a lot of play. Um, that seems like a really random as, one too. It's not like as like a really yeah. There. Yeah. Any, anyways, it, it uh, that was really 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 cool to be a part, and then just like the entire atmosphere of the fourth quarter, um, kind of the back and forth nature of it. Uh, you know, us going ahead and then them coming back down and scoring, and Anthony Richardson basically being Vince Young Jr. turning into a Heisman uh, candidate overnight. Yeah, uh, overnight and then yeah i mean it was just incredible it was it was super fun uh heartbreak obviously at the end for us 
uh, with the pick and, and uh, having to walk out of that stadium with an L, but gosh, it was so fun. Like, could not endorse if, if, if anybody has a chance to go to a Florida game, Mike, highly endorse going to it. Fact check true, by the way. I just looked it up. He is from Gainesville. So Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Tom Petty, mm-hmm. uh, Gainesville boy. That's cool. I didn't know that. Um, so I wasn't really thinking of getting into this aspect of it, but it does kind of pique my interest a little bit. Well, I, one thing I wanted to ask you real quick, of all the away places you've been, is that number one? Does that take the cake now? Uh, yeah, no question. Okay. No question. Um, and I'm still kind of building my resume on that. I you've been to the big house, though, in Michigan, right? I, I have been to the big house since I'm close. Wow. Like, it, it's it's just simply not even close. The Michigan is cool. More. Seats more, not nearly as loud. Crazy. And, and just not even nearly as cool, like, yeah. if I'm being honest. Like, just not as cool. Interesting. I wonder, so I, the part of me that's, like, really interesting – or the part to me that's really interesting is when you kind of think about what drives people to do that. What What is the motivation? Now, I understand that just being passionate about your team is what should just drive that. But yeah. I have a hard time believing that somewhere between 90,000 to 100,000 fans are all on the same page. I mean, I understand it's part of their culture of that time, but that, I mean, call me a fair weather fan. Maybe I just don't like college football as much as the actual college football fan, but I don't like the idea of showing up 20 minutes. Well, I, I probably show up pretty early anyway as it is. So 20 minutes wouldn't even be that big of a difference. But like the whole thing being just like this major event where you're participating and you're part of the show, to me, I'm kind of like, I, I don't even really go that crazy. Like I cheer loud when like there's a big play that happens and I'll cheer at a touchdown. Yeah. But I don't know, man. These, this whole thing, like I don't understand. If it were up to me, I wouldn't say that BYU even had to change that much even though they – don't even, they're not even on the same scale as something like Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's. I mean, if that's why we're different, they're different than us, right? Like that's why they've got multiple national championship banners. And do you wish Utah SCCs. did it more along um, those lines? Abs- absolutely. Why absolutely. is that? Um, I think. Uh, I think. I mean, how to describe it? Is it like, does it legitimize I, you guys more as a, a football program and a fan base or? No, 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 no. I, I think it's more about when you have traditions and when you have this community aspect of like, hey, we are building this program together. I think that it creates like really memorable family and friend experiences. Like, I think the legacy of being a Gator fan gets passed down from generation to generation. And I think to some extent it does with, with our programs, but I think there it just runs in it. And, and you start to, you know, kind of build these like really incredible experiences from the, from the tailgating experience to, you know, the, the entire game day atmosphere. You're, it becomes part of like a cultural event of where community rely, like resides. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like we just go to the game to experience the game. Like it's a full day event and it becomes incredibly fun. And I think a lot of memories and friendships are built uh, off of, off of that experience. And I, and I would love that. I think it would be so much fun. I don't have it. Like I don't tailgate with friends. Um, I, we just kind of go to the game, but I, I wish it was more of like, Hey, these six Saturdays a month when we have a home game, like these are going to be the times for us to get together and create memories. 
No, I get that actually. That makes that makes a lot of sense to me. It's just funny, like so you know that that family guy out of you, you know that big tradition family guy. You should be all all about it. Like, let's build memories, pal. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I do feel like um, it's funny because I grew up going to a lot of BYU games. We had season tickets for a while, and then and then like DVR came and big screens and HD, 1080p, 4K, all that stuff. And I'm like, I love being in the comfort of my own home. I just love that. I'm not a season ticket guy. In fact, whoever I marry is going to have a nice, pleasant surprise because I don't. I'm not going to be the one that's going to be like, oh, I got to have season tickets. I want to go all the time. I will, I'll want to go occasionally. Like I'm going to the Oregon game next week. Like I'll, I'll be there. Sure. Um, and I, I love away. I actually like away games kind of more because I love seeing away games are fun. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one thing that like I'm more in that boat for sure because I've been to Michigan State. Had a blast with that. Now this was a neutral field, but seeing the opener last year in Las Vegas was also really cool against Arizona. Yep. Like I love those experiences, all about it, and I want to do that more. And I want to kind of keep that up as a tradition, like maybe once a year, like go to an away game. But other than that, like I maybe maybe one game out of the year I'll go to actually see BYU play uh, in Pro. Yeah, and it's just I mean, and I like doing it. You know that I like doing it when it's there, but I'm not. I'm not one of those that like it has to happen and go what any chance yeah. I get. Yeah, that's it. That I mean, we are on different ends of the spectrum. Like, yeah, uh, those six Saturdays that I have tickets, they are blocked out. I'm not doing anything. Well, and well, here's the thing though: I block out my Saturday for game time just as much as anybody, and that's where it's like that's where I'm definitely on the same page as guys like you because it's like this is religious. Yep. You know, it's four hours of my day that is going to be relatively uninterrupted. Yeah, you know, but I just that's it, it's four hours as opposed to like seven or eight, you know. And so yes, I'm I am a diehard in that respect. But when it comes to actually sure. being in their person, not at all. Yeah, I think again, I, I like being there in person. I think like the rush of live sporting events is something that I'm particularly like drawn to. I love it. I get a rush from it. I get tons of excitement out of it. Um, but I also think like going back to what I talked about, like I go with two of my best friends, like we have, we've got three season tickets and it's a fun way for us to get together and have fun and, um, you know, create those memories together. So uh, that it's like another excuse with, with those friends that are married for us to get together and, uh, and have a great time together. Yeah. I so that. that's why, that's why I love it. So it's multi purpose for me. Like I love being there, the rush of the crowd, like being in the stadium uh, for the for big time events, like it's like going nuts with a bunch of fans is, is super fun. No, um, sure. But I also do it for the friendships. Totally get that. That makes a lot of sense to me, actually. Um, so let's get to I, I got it here. So you <laughs> you texted me a couple of weeks ago when you listened to the pod. I gave you multiple shout outs. Kind of used you as you the did. blueprint. Like I appreciate that. Yeah. Blueprint U of U fan. Like, I don't want to necessarily go out of my way to offend you, but if I do, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it, it's okay. And you texted me and you were like, hey, here's my, here are my thoughts. And you're like, your cam rising take is garbage. Uh, this, that, your and the cam, other. Your cam take, yeah, your cam take is garbage. <laughs> well, let's hear it, man. Absolutely let's, let's, get, let's get you to clap back, man. What is it? Well, Just to remind I, everybody. I mean, my take is essentially that he is a better version of Riley Nelson. And by that, I mean, he's very much like a go-getter. He's aggressive. He's a leader. He finds ways to win when others wouldn't. But 
the in terms of raw talent and athleticism, he's not nearly as good as most people think he is. Um, so I think you're you're right in the fact that he is an outstanding leader. But where you are incredibly incorrect is that Cam has way more arm talent than Riley Nelson could ever dream of. Hence the and granted, he make he he make he made one bad throw on Saturday. He actually made two. But otherwise, uh, what was the other one? Well, oh, I, guess I mean, one de- one devastatingly bad throw. Like he made a couple other bad throws, but like well, we're talking consequential throws. So, I guess I don't know if you're referring to the interception when you say that. Yes. Okay. The interception was bad. Well, because there was another one that went right into the hands of the defender on that same drive, and I'm not even sure where the receiver was there, and the guy just dropped it. The linebacker just couldn't hold on. Yeah, literally hit him right in the hands. So that was one where they were in zone coverage, right? And uh, and I think he just didn't see it. Like so again, that's arm. That's that's not properly seeing the field, but I think in terms of arm talent, like he's he's putting the ball in better locations than Riley ever could imagine. Um, oh, yeah. I, in I terms of... Even, I never doubted that, but I still think he has maybe a lower ceiling than you think. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. Well, I mean, I, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. Uh, let, let me first say that. Like, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. And I I think, if anything, he's probably a, um, a late-round draft pick. If he, like, so he's not a starting quarterback. If anything, he's like a late round draft pick or free agent pickup that m- maybe makes a roster, but but otherwise, like he's not a generational talent in terms of the quarterback position. But from a quarterback standpoint, he can make the throws that you need in college football to be incredibly successful. And and I don't think Riley Nelson was ever a good passer. No, he really wasn't. He really wasn't. And, and so, like, what you're talking about is, like, okay, is Cam a good leader? Yes. Was uh, Riley a good leader? Yes. But now you're talking about, like, Cam, can Cam take Utah to multiple Pac-12 championships? And could he take him to the maybe uh, a brink of a, of a college football playoff? Like, possibly. He'd have to run the table the rest of the way. But can he do it? Like, in my opinion, he absolutely can. Like, he has the harm, arm talent to do it. And he sees the field generally correctly. Um, now, he was terrible in, in terms of seeing the field on Saturday. But I think if you look back to last season and his ability to see the field appropriately, he was really good. All right. And the Ohio, and the Ohio State Rose Bowl game should be evidence of that. Like, he hit everybody. It was, you yeah, know, they, they passes didn't... down the sideline. It was in the oh. middle of the field. It was underneath. It was over the top of linebackers. Like, he hit every throw you could imagine in that game. Detractors, however, would say, though, that Ohio State was not playing with... I mean, they had like 20 guys out or something like that. And yeah, something to do sure. With it, but fair enough. But, was, but you're talking about the, like, the arm talent ability to yeah, see the Yeah, like, that's true. That's fair. Like, We're not talking about just playing like, a defense. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, a couple things that you reminded me of. So you didn't have... And to Riley could far. never do those things, in my opinion. Riley oh, could only throw actually, a fastball. I was just going to say... He could like, only throw a fastball. Well, and even then, man, I don't even think he was particularly great at that. But um, the part that sticks out to me the most is when I think about Riley Nelson, I think about the time when we played Notre Dame when they were like 
they were top five in the country. I don't know if you remember this. Yep. It was a Manti Teo year, his Heisman okay. year. And they were undefeated, and it would have been – it was a big game for us. And we were not having a terrible year. If I remember right, we actually ended ranked that year. Um, but weren't also stellar. I think we just ended like 25th. But uh, near the end of the game – Near the end of the game, Riley Nelson has Cody Hoffman wide open, streaking down the field, and it's like I remember this. If Riley Nelson hits him, it's like game over. BYU's gonna freaking beat like number five Notre Dame. Yep. Opens it up, throws it, overthrows him by like fifteen yards, and you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> Because of course he did. Because of course. <laughs> That's he did. what I'm saying. He he doesn't have the arm talent, and and again, like I I. Would say I would actually say that uh, Cam and Jaron's arm talent is. I think Jaron is probably a better thrower of the ball, but I think Cam sees the field better. Interesting. Okay. okay. But I but I think Jaron I think Jaron can throw from multiple platforms. Like I think he's he got really to have good pretty touch. good arm strength, and you should appreciate this as a baseball player. He was he mm-hmm. I think he played. You know I know he played outfield. I think he played center field. How does center fielders? How are they viewed as like in terms of how they can throw guys out? Is it or is it all the same? Um, I'm, some center fielders don't they they all, they have great arms. Um, I don't mean throw guys out, but I mean yeah, I mean like yeah. getting the I ball. I mean they've got to be accurate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like the the good like guys that um, like Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes, they played infield, and and that's their advantage because like you have to learn to throw from like all different angles. Uh, that makes sense. Um, and that's why Patrick Mahomes can throw from like sidearm and, and like yeah, he can throw yeah, from yeah. all different angles. Yeah, he did, play. but I, but I think Jaron can. I think Jaron can do that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, you get so. you get to the college level, you should be able to basically do that to some degree, right? But I guess it's the big arm is from right field, right? Generally speaking. Yeah, yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not sure which where he was. He might have been center. I can't remember. But um, all right, so yeah, there's the the the, <laughs> the Riley Nelson where he's just like okay, now Jaron. That was Moore, garbage take. We'll see, like we'll see how those two compare. But then the other question I was going to ask you is: He is Cam Rising better than Brian Johnson? Uh, yes, yes, and, and that's not even a question. You didn't even really hesitate, really. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I Brian, Brian Johnson, Johnson was super good, but maybe I'm crazy. Dude, Brian Johnson is the most misremem- misremembered uh, football player in Utah football history. Don't get me wrong; he took us to great heights, and he was a really good quarterback. Um, but his, like he, he got saved off of two really good two minute drills against TCU and against, uh, who was the other one? Anyways, there, there were two, like two minute drills where he crushed and it was, oh, TCU and Oregon state where he just let him down the field in the last minute. And he, and he looked amazing, but otherwise like Utah had a pretty subpar offense that year. I remember the receivers. I thought were really good, weren't they? Oh wait, no, no. I'm yeah, but like, but like, here. we didn't have, like we didn't Harris have like Warren an ex- and those guys. Yeah, I mean, Alex Smith was obviously the best quarterback to go through there. Right. But Cam is definitely Cam is definitely better than Brian Johnson. Yeah. In fact, Tyler Huntley is better than Brian Johnson. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that goes to show how much I know about U of U history. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, and just in terms of like ability, like. Of course, Brian Johnson like took us like really far, but I mean, Tyler Huntley has basically secured anyone. himself like as the best backup in the NFL, <laughs> and I'm guessing he's going to get a chance to play at some point. 
Well, yeah, I mean, knock on wood, you don't want to see Lamar get injured, but the way he plays, it's very possible, right? Yeah, totally. Um, fair enough. All right, well, let's close it out, man. We uh, we just got we got called up to the big leagues. I uh, I got asked to uh, coach a powder puff football game, uh, and uh, I got you as my assistant. How do you feel about things, man? We got practice tomorrow, and then we got the game on Saturday morning. What? How do, I, yeah. How do we feel about yeah, that? Yeah, uh, I haven't seen the talent. Uh, you know, haven't seen. Uh, you know, we we have no stats to go off of. Sarah's on the Sarah's uh, on our team. That was a late addition. Oh, late addition. Okay. Well, we at least we we, we know we've got one quarterback. Uh, <laughs> we know we've got somebody that can throw the ball. We, we've seen we've seen Sarah uh, throw football successfully. So Dude, we got she might have a better arm than me. And uh, a lot of my a lot of listeners are probably like, "Well, that's not saying much." Eh. I mean, the, the question is, is like, how intense are you going to take practice tomorrow? Are you like going to put them through the Oklahoma drill? Yeah, Oklahoma drill. Like, they're, they're all going to have three, to do up downs until they puke. Up downs. Okay. Yeah. We do we doing three cone drill? Like, see their agility. Yeah. Like, see who are the fastest. Basically, everything you see in the combine, we're going to have to put okay, them through. Okay. All right. I love it. <laughs> no, honestly though, how you win these games, dude? X's and O's. No joke. Very very okay. simple, consistent plays. You give them like four passing routes. Yep. Just say like, hey, like this is one, this is two, this is three, this is four. Just remember those. And then okay. you can call pretty much any play, and the quarterback will just like have to lock it in. And it's just rhythm, it's timing, which obviously takes a lot of time to, to learn. But in a powder puff football game, I'm feeling good, dude. I feel like we're going to have the W. I'm going to come back and report on this podcast. We're going to get the W. You know, I think we're going to have to do some, some deep uh, film study with Sarah, make sure she yeah. understands like what route is route, right? So she can work through her progressions really well. That's right. But, uh, but, but if Sarah's our quarterback, I'd feel great about it. Hot route. Hot route. Yeah, hot route. <laughs> you know, I don't I even know what that means. Yeah, I don't even know What's what a hot mean? route. What does that mean? What's a hot route? What's a hot route? <laughs> incredible. John, just go over there. <laughs> Such an incredible scene. Um, and then, dude, our boy, our John Boy, we're going to get you both on yep. the podcast again soon because we gotta, we got to have an airing of grievances episode where we just go through and just like I'm just get gosh. our annoyances out there. I think that'll be a fun one. I'm so ready for this chop session. Oh, I can Let tell. Let me just tell you, let, just to, for the listeners to preview, air travel is a nightmare right now. And there are some inexcusable behaviors by air travel people. And if you're one of these people that annoy the hell out of me, like just know you're going to be targeted on on this podcast. <laughs> Dude, don't take the gloves off, man. I'll let's see. Like it. it's it it is coming out. There is some inexcusable behavior with air travel right now. Incredible, amazing. I can't wait for that. That's coming on. That we'll have to do that in the next month or so. Mm -hmm. uh, John though went to, to Kill a Mockingbird last night. Did you hear? You saw the play down at the Eccles Theater. Did you get a recap from that? No, I think he's there tonight. Oh, he's. I thought it was last night. Yeah, he's no, he's there tonight. Oh dang! I was hoping to get a recap of that because yep. he because I messaged him and I was like, dude, what what's what's the what is this? Like, is this a movie? And he's like, no, no, it's the play down at Eccles. Guys' night, should we go? And I actually, oh, honestly, no. and if I would have had more time and everything to get to it, like I would have, I would have done it. But you should have done it. Yeah, I, I've heard actually good thing. It was written by, um, it was written by like a, a yeah, it was Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, Aaron Sorkin. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah he so, told me. Yeah, um, I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, obviously, besides myself. the fact that the book was written by Harper Lee, but the play itself, the ad the right. adapted play version, is right. Aaron Sorkin's. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't call myself a big uh, live theater guy, 
Um, so if, if anybody is ever interested in dating me, like <laughs> check that out of the profile, like not a big live theater guy. Yeah. Good call. Uh, I actually don't hate it, believe it or not. Like I legit, legit thought about it for more than a minute flying out to New York to see Hugh Jackman do music, man, play professor Harold oh. Hill. Okay. I can see it. I Here's the thing. I think you're, I think you're a little bit of man of the arts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would put you in that category. I appreciate it from time to time. Yeah. I'm not. So you're, not. you're a man of the football games, season ticket holder. I'm a man of the football. That's Different kind of art. Right about it. Different kind of art. Still <laughs> art. All right, Mr. Sato. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for giving your feedback. That'll help yes. me feel a lot better when we see what comes in, what, I what mean, comes of all I, this at the end of the season. I'll, I'll, I'll be in, I'll be in neutral colors uh, at the BYU Baylor game uh, on on Saturday, so I'll be a, a, an observer to try to provide a great game experience for the Cougars. That's big of you. The fact that you're going neutral, I can respect that. Good for you. Very neutral colors. I will not be wearing red. I will not be wearing green. I'll just, but I sure as hell will not be wearing. Blue. I will be wearing like. <laughs> black fair enough well all right case you have fun with that man and i right. uh, can't wait to get a, a report on that as well okay well go go utes and go powder puff football team that we're coaching go coogs and go team d name is pending <laughs> <laughs> love it thank you again to casey sato for joining the pod as i said before we will have him back pretty soon with our buddy John Stevens, who has been with us before, what we're going to be doing is uh, talking about kind of what annoys us, basically what our pet peeves are, so to speak. Casey's been wanting to come on to vent for a while now, so I think that'll be a pretty entertaining episode. But as always, um, I like to have these fillers, obviously, so it's not just me every time, just kind of like mix it up a little bit. Uh, and then I like to kind of keep the format consistent where it's like kind of news or maybe a funny story at the beginning of the episode and then something in the middle and then at the end it's like kind of gospel thought right this is latter-day takes after all and i like to keep it kind of on brand so that's where we're at right now right kind of the the uh gospel thought spiritual part of the podcast of the episode which is where i get to share kind of some of my thoughts and i love the feedback that you guys give me and um not just not just accolades i'm not saying like oh i love it when you guys say how much you love it no i love it that you guys will reach out sometimes and say, hey, like, to, to your point on that, like, this is what I thought about. And I like, get that plenty, and I'd love it. And it makes this whole thing just worth it. Absolutely. So two things I wanted to share for this segment. One was something that I threw out on Twitter, actually. And if you're on Twitter, come and find me. It's, uh, I think it's just at Harper D. Anderson. And I'm fairly active on there. Um, I like to more just have fun with Twitter. I'm not really like a serious Twitter guy, but there is a segment of people in the church that are really strong. Some of them can be a little bit like, I don't know, I don't love associating with that type of persona, but then others can be really strengthening and share some nice stuff and like converse. And there's some really cool people out there. And I love it for that purpose where I think it's kind of like doing good, sharing the good messages and things like that. But anyway, um, come find me at Harper D Anderson on Twitter. And, uh, it'd be nice to talk with y'all. I know there's a contingent out there that listen to this podcast here and there. Um, they especially are big fans of my mom. Go figure. But anyway, um, two things I want to talk about. So I threw it out there on Twitter. Uh, what is more important? Now, I know this is kind of like a dumb question. It's definitely splitting hairs, to say the least. And it's if you could only pick one, 
could w- would it be more important to pray or to read your scriptures now my immediate thought and i think this kind of prevails is praying praying is more important praying is the ultimate it is the connection you have with god and i kind of stand by that for the most part but there is a lot of strength in the book of mormon right a lot of times we get our answers from the book of mormon by just saying like hey like this makes a lot of sense. Like, I feel like this is a message directly from God because I happen to be reading and it applies so well to what I'm going through right now. And it's, you know, a lot of people have put it this way before. If you have a question uh, for God, go to him in prayer. If you need an answer from God, go to the scriptures. And I believe that. I, I do believe that those kind of work in tandem. Another side of that to me for getting answers is through writing, writing things down, kind of organizing my thoughts which is something I suggest to a lot of people. And you'd be surprised as you start to formulate your thoughts how well writing can actually help you kind of like get through and work through the answer by using that process. So I highly suggest that to anybody that is specifically looking for direction, guidance, or an answer to a specific question, things like that. Um, A lot of times conference talks can help with that too, and that's why I love the Scriptural Citation Index. I know I'm kind of getting on a tangent here, but I know that can be helpful. Scriptures.byu.edu, where you can go to any scripture. um, Okay, not any, because not any scripture is going to have references, but for like a lot of well-known scriptures and then some of the lesser-known scriptures, and you could find any citation basically since like the 1940s, and then a lot of earlier ones too, like in the early days, Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, um there's some speeches by them as well that reference specific scriptures. So if you have some question from a scripture, you can say, well, what does that exactly mean? And you can see how other general authorities, prophets, apostles have all contextualized that same verse. It's really cool. And I'm actually going to talk about that for the second part of this spiritual thought, because something that I uh, had actually discovered recently, just today. Um, But anyway, so I just thought it was an interesting question. But I but again, it's like, kind of dumb at the same time because no one can ever take away prayer from us anyway so that'll never ever be a binary decision if you don't have scriptures as a guide or a reference you'll always have prayer so it's kind of a moot question but anyway i thought that was kind of interesting somewhat thought-provoking that's something that you guys have any thoughts on i'd be curious to hear all right the other side of this something i wanted to share so i was reading an ether ether has so many gems it's kind of mind-blowing um just how, how many things are applicable, so many applications. Uh, one of my favorite ones is, and that this isn't what I'm going to go off on today, but one that I like to reference a lot is like in Ether 3 when he's building the barges and getting the direction from God on how to do that, or the Lord, um, which I know there's a difference, right, because it's actually Christ, because the brother of Jared saw Christ. Um, he's asking him, how are we going to get light in the barges so we can see? And what does Christ do? He immediately turns it on him and he says, what would you have me do to give you light in the barges? Which is something that Christ does to a lot, uh, us a lot. And I think I've shared that before in the podcast. And so that's just one of those many times in Ether where I'm like, gosh, this is so wise. Anyway, so today in Ether 6, verse 5, this is the verse. It says, and it came to pass that the Lord God caused that there should be a furious wind blow upon the face of the waters towards the promised land. And thus they were tossed upon the waves of the sea before the wind. So I'm sitting here reading this and I'm like, how, how likely is it that the people that were in these barges were viewing the furious wind blow on the waters and on their barges and think of this like, gosh, do we really need this? We just barely 
had our language taken away from us. We were lucky to keep preserve some of that amongst ourselves, but here we are leaving our home and going to some foreign land that supposedly we're being guided to by this prophet. Now, I'd imagine they had a lot more faith than that. And, I, and there's a verse that actually indicates they did. But you could see the scenario where they might kind of invite that type of feeling where they're like, this is the last thing we need is this crazy storm and that we may not even make it out of alive. Like, we, there's, we just don't know how this is all going to end. So I like thinking about it in that context because how often do we think about our trials in that regard where it's, why do we have to go through this right now? Like, doesn't, doesn't God know this is the last thing I need? But here's the point, is that in this verse, it's a rare time when you actually see the trial and the blessing in the same verse, right? Because it says, a furious wind blow upon them on the face of the waters towards the promised land. It's literally a trial that's pushing them towards their blessing, towards that, what God is telling us to strive for. It's a rare occasion. You don't see that happen in the same verse a lot of times. In fact, I can't even think of another one that doesn't mean a whole lot, but I can't think of one. If you can, let me know. It could have easily been viewed as a trial for the Jaredites, right? But it was a method in which God chose to bless his people. He wasn't merely giving them furious winds and waves just to toss them around. He was utilizing the laws of the universe, which a lot of times emit friction onto us that can drive us to, to a specific place in our lives. We just have to allow ourselves to be tossed and endure the friction well. And then there's even more in the next verse, Ether 6.6. 6. And it came to pass that they were many times buried in the depths of the sea because of the mountain waves which broke upon them. That honestly sounds terrible. And also the great and terrible tempests which were caused by the fierceness of the wind. And then in verse 8, it literally says, the wind never did cease to blow toward the promised land while they were upon the waters. So a couple things. I, I found a scripture because of the scriptural citation index. Sorry, not a scripture. I found a talk excerpt from Charles A. Callis, which is from April 1943. I'm not even sure who Charles Callis is, but this is what he says. He says, We are told that when the Jaredites and their barges set forth in this land of promise, fierce and terrible tempest prevailed. The winds blew, and they were in imminent danger all the while on that perilous journey. God sustained them. And we read that although these gales and tempests rage, holding destruction in their wake, that the wind was continually blowing toward the promised land, and these adversities through which we are passing, these terrible wars, and all, and this, this is, by the way, World War II times that he's sharing this, these terrible wars and all the horrible things that are prevailing are in the power of God. He can stop them when he chooses, when his divine purposes are fulfilled. But let us not forget that through this sea of trouble, our adversities, the experiences through which we pass and which God will make work together for our good, if we will obey him, all these are blowing us forward to the heaven of rest, to a glorious future, to eternal life, and unitedly we join in John's loving response, even so, come Lord Jesus, which he wrote that in Revelations. Elder Todd L. Budd shared this just a few years ago in October 2019. The journey was not easy for the Jaredites. They were many times buried in the depths of the sea because of the mountain waves which broke upon them. Yet it is recorded that the wind did never cease to blow them toward the promised land. As difficult as it is to understand, especially at the times in our lives when the headwinds are strong and the seas are turbulent, we can take comfort in knowing that God in his infinite goodness is always blowing us toward home. So it's a completely different way of looking at a trial, completely different way of looking at whatever might be ailing us in that moment. 
and just knowing that, hey, this is the muscle. This is my spiritual muscle that is literally being built right now. This feels hard. This feels tough. And it doesn't feel like I can get through it. And it's not even about necessarily if I can get through it. It's when you can get through it. When you do get through this, you're going to be in some version of the promised land. You're going to have learned and you're going to have cherished the pain that you experienced in order to get there. It's not easy to remember. And it's something that I have to remind myself of constantly. Is that when you're going through these hard times, you're thinking, is this ever going to end? Why am I doing this? This is only making me weaker. And of course, that's not true. And if we respond well, we will be in the promised land. That's a promise. I don't mean to say the word promise a lot. Sorry. But regardless, that is our guarantee, right? That is the blessing. And so I wanted to share that with all of you because it is easy to get sidetracked. It is easy to think that this is not for our good. It is easy to think that this is superfluous, that it's excessive, not necessary. But that's not the case. The Lord gives us these trials because he loves us, right? He chasteneth those who he loveth. That's literally what it says in the scriptures. So keep that in mind. Keep on trucking. Keep chugging along. I love you all. Thanks for listening. If you like this, please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, Share it with others. And give me more suggestions to throw out there. Things to talk about. I love it. Love you all again. And we'll see you next week. Falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley And a rhythm in the night Cause I could almost see it Did you fade right out of you If it takes time